This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford 90.1 FM. Ryan Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Ryan Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. Today, we're going to talk with Nancy Marmolejo about her book called Don't Say That, Say This, Navigating Grief and Loss in the World of Social Media. Nancy Marmolejo is an executive coach who teaches entrepreneurs and leaders how to access their deep genius, that one-of-a-kind combination of innate strengths, life experience, and expertise that only you bring to the table. She received several awards for her role as a Latina entrepreneur and has appeared on Univision, Latina Magazine, Hispanic Business, Smart Money, and several others, including today, Atenea Americana. She originally had no plans to write a book on grief, yet after experiencing the deaths of three loved ones in a four-year period, Nancy saw how many people actually struggle with offering condolences. So, as her specialty is social media, communication and branding, she thought that there is a need that needs to be filled and that she could actually help people with this. So today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about grief and how to handle it in social media, about empathy, and a little bit about Marmolejo. Stay with us in Atenea Americana. again in Atene Americana and today we have a new guest. She is Nancy Marmolejo. She is from here from the Bay Area. She lives in Oakland, California and she is going to tell us all about her book about grief and about grief in social media. She's an excellent coach and she has been working for quite a long time in the Bay Area. So introduce us and tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, well, yes, my name is Nancy Marmolejo. I have, I'm an executive coach by trade. That's the work that I do. My first career was a teacher, and I really love working with people on drawing out their innate, I call it their deep genius, those unique aspects about a person that establish them as a unique leader and as a unique entrepreneur. And then along the way, I experienced three deaths in a very short period of time. It was over the course of a couple of years. My mother, my former husband, who's the father of my child, my daughter, and my sister. Mm -hmm. And as I was 
receiving comments and condolences from people on social media, it just became really apparent that a lot of people struggle with finding the right words to say. And I just decided to sit down and, and write a little guide. So it was a little bit from when I was a teacher, like here's a little template to help you with your writing. It's a little bit like my coaching, you know, here's how you can communicate more effectively and, you know, be more powerful. And, and then this little tiny book was born. So that's what I, that's my story. So tell us a little bit about your coaching and uh, your coaching business. In my coaching business, I work with leaders and there's one side of my business where I work with entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of Latina leaders. I work with a lot of founders. I work with a lot of other consultants and a lot of that has to do with their personal brand and how they communicate their expertise to the world and use that to grow their businesses. On the other side of it, I have more of a corporate coaching um, component to my business where I go into organizations and I work around issues of um, personal branding through a lens of diversity. I also do leadership and communication skills training and coaching. So I think I'm a lot about communication. <laughs> yeah and then there is a yeah that's how this part about how to communicate properly in, in difficult situations is so important yes yes we're, as a as a society we're very uncomfortable with the topics of death and dying loss and grief um, especially if you're finding out about it on social media people I mean we already want to avoid the topic or or at least talk about it as little as possible and then you see it on social media and you have a decision to make do i do i say something do i click the little hug emoji do i skip it you know there's all sorts of things and generally what happens is people might just write what everybody else is putting lo siento or i'm so sorry for your loss it's like you can look and see everybody's kind of writing the same thing so i decided well, i think we need to I think we need to expand what we're saying. No matter if we're saying it in English or Spanish, it all ends up people just leaving these little one-liners. So mm -hmm. that's what inspired this, this and, little guide. And there is also uh, the multicultural part that I find interesting. Uh, what I used to do when I grew up, when there was a funeral or somebody had a, a death or, or a big loss, or in different countries, what is whatever is done in different places is a little bit different how you support the family and the, the things you say. And then there is added this part about that we are all apart, we're far away from each other, even more this year. Uh, how do you transmit a real feeling through through a screen and through internet to when you're not there? Like you can add support, but really I cannot go to your house and help you clean up for a week because you're kind of far or, or it's not possible. Oh, that's so true. And this has been such an interesting year where we're all forced to experience grief and loss in the same way with the, the inability to gather in person to memorialize people. So social media is really the place where it's happening. And there are so many different things. I mean, yes, it, it, it is, there is a, a, a cultural perspective as far as how you, how you grieve together in community. And a lot of that will reflect itself in person. There are some cultures like when somebody dies, you do not talk about it. You don't mention the person's name. There's, there are certain restrictions or certain taboos around that. Um, the, the Jews I, need to even close the images around the house. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of that, and I think that that's in person and within a family. That's something. I guess what I'm looking at is more of a general thing. If somebody posts it on social media, that's going to require a certain response. So I I can't advise people on what to do and what not to do in person, whether it's in adherence to some of their beliefs or not. But I do know that on social media, if we can just show empathy, because if somebody's sharing it on social media, then they've already decided that's okay. Yes. You know, um, so we don't have to worry too much about some of the, the taboo issues. Mm-hmm. But when we see it, how can we respond? Yes. And my invitation to everybody is to respond with empathy and to to, to Look at something through the lens of empathy means that we're not saying how it should be. We're not giving directions. We're not telling people they're wrong. We're just seeing that somebody's hurting or acknowledging what has happened without a whole lot of interpretation, but just a warm feeling in our hearts. So what do you recommend? What what should we do when we see somebody in a real grief state? Like, and and it's interesting that uh, one of the things in your book is not just it's not just a death, which is really like really big thing to grieve. But some people can be grieving about something really strong, like uh, the you know now that we have California fires and the loss of their house or their job and and the security on their life. I mean, they are struggling and having some sort of grief. There's so much struggle happening right now on so many areas. I just gave a talk to some college students up in um, Solano Community College, and that area around Vacaville, Fairfield, they were affected by wildfires badly this last summer. And um, you know, so so for them, we did some we did some exercises where they created some condolence messages based on different scenarios, and one of them was loss of a home from a wildfire and they that was near and dear to them because they had all known somebody or you know had that direct experience um, one of the first things I do is I, I like to tell people to, to do this little exercise first to build empathy and is to think of a blue shirt and, and actually when I'm giving a presentation I'll pull out a blue shirt and I say just describe the shirt without saying an opinion or you wish it was green just what do you see it's like okay I see a blue shirt Okay, what else do you see? Okay, it has short sleeves. What else do you see? It has a V-neck. What else do you see? It's a royal blue. What else do you see? You know, just give the actual what you observe. And then from that place, it's training you to be an observer. And I call it the witness observer. And then if you were to see somebody who, who just is going through grief or somebody who just posted something, Instead of saying, I wish, you know, like the blue shirt, you don't say, I wish it was green or I wish it was plaid. You say, it's a blue shirt. This is what's happening. You can, you can respond to a person and say, I see that you're hurting or at least feel that in your heart. You know, this is a person who's hurting. This is a person who's going through a lot. This is a person who might have the the weight of the world on their shoulders right now. It's a hard time for them. And if you can just take a moment and be in that place of acknowledging that this is a person going through a hard time without making a decision what you think they should do or what they should say or how they should behave. Just acknowledge they're having a hard time. And that's empathy. Mm-hmm. And we need more of that right now. Yeah. And uh, what about, well, of course, it's difficult in, in uh, social media because people can be everywhere in the, in the planet, but what kind of support, like, 
because sometimes, you know, we I run out of ideas, depending on the way. I, I can run some errands for you. Can I do something for you? Do you need me to do a run at the supermarket? What? How can I help? Yeah, that's a great example. In fact, when, when people ask, what are some of the things I should do and what are the things I, I shouldn't do? Offering help is definitely one of the things that is, you know, in so many different ways. And especially right now, we can't really do a lot of things in person. You know, somebody might be sending a gift card uh, so that they could do some online grocery shopping and have food delivered to them or, you know, sending dinners and meals and, and all of those things. Um, one of the things I wanted to share uh, are some things not to do. And then I have, I actually have some, some remedies <laughs> that we can put to place. <laughs> Good. So um, I have 10 things, 10 things that I think we, and, and, and if anybody's done any of these 10 things, it's okay. I've done them. And forgive yourself, you know, because we hear this and like, oh no, I do that all the time. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. We, we weren't really thinking about it until now. That's, it's all good. So the, the first one is just to avoid saying something that's like what everybody says, you know, lo siento, and that's it. I'm sorry. That's it. Sorry for your loss. That's it. Just like, that's kind of, it, it can be kind of empty after a bit. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day who said that when, um, you know, she had experienced a death and she, the many people were just all leaving the same thing. It made her, it just made her heart feel a little sad. She was wishing, gosh, couldn't you say something else? I know people meant well. She knows people meant well and had love in their hearts, but she just wanted, because every now and then somebody would tell a little story and she thought, oh, I wish more people would do that. Uh, another thing to avoid is to dismiss it or minimize it. Like, oh, you'll get over it. Or let's not focus on the negative. You know, you really need to stop dwelling on this and move on. You know, you have so much to be grateful for. But that's not acknowledging the fact that a person's hurting. You know, once again, we want to come from a place of empathy. Uh, the third one is one-upping. That is when somebody says, uh, you know, oh, I, um, you know, I stubbed my toe. And then the next person says, well, I stubbed my toe and broke my arm. And then the next person says, well, I stubbed my toe, broke my arm, and fell down the stairs. It's like everybody wants that, you know, my thing is more important, more sick. You don't really need to do that. It's not really necessary. Like just focus on the person. You're hurting. I see you. Uh, the fourth thing to avoid are to-do lists and instructions. My mother um, experienced colon cancer. She had it for quite a number of years. And there were always people who wanted her to watch a video, uh, read a book, eat a certain diet, watch this movie. And she just said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. I, I can't handle all these instructions. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And that was, that was like too much. Yeah, I bet everybody's trying to tell her how to handle her own, her own cancer. Like, you need to do what I'm thinking. I'm thinking right, right now or I heard somebody oh, else just eat garlic for a week and everybody has a different odd thing oh yeah and if you don't I do mean, it then it's your fault you you don't want to get well <laughs> I, I learned from firsthand experience because I was a prime offender I'm like because I'm a real health person and she's like you can stop and I'm like okay <laughs> you know, just with, here's this juice and here's these supplements um the next one is inappropriate humor um Sometimes people feel so uncomfortable with the concept of 
loss or death or dying, they want to make a joke out of it. And you really have to be careful with that. There's one thing about sharing funny stories about a person that makes people laugh and feel good and it brings a smile to our faces. But then there's the other part about making a joke that is really inappropriate. People do that not because they're mean. I think they do that because they're so uncomfortable they don't know any other way to do it. Um, the next one are sales pitches. Unfortunately, that happens. That's there are people horrible. Who, oh my gosh! You know the realtors and the the, the ambulance chasers and the oh, the people man. who have some kind of a thing they want you to buy. I mean, it's just please do not do not do that. Um, the eighth one is telling people how they should feel. You know, it's like uh, think positive. Don't be so negative. Um, don't let bad thoughts get all in your head. It's like, don't tell me how I should feel. Let me feel my feelings. <laughs> you know? um, there's also number nine is painful over analysis. And, oh, man, that's the one where, um, you know, it's a conspiracy or we need to uncover the truth or we have to go and fight. And, and, that, and maybe that's a good thing at, at another point in time. But when you're in that initial phase of offering condolences to somebody, just, mm-hmm. just again, just acknowledge the fact that this person is hurting and you could get on the, the, the conspiracy bandwagon later, but just let them, or, or if there's some investigation or, you know, I don't want to minimize that because maybe somebody was exposed to chemicals and, and maybe they're going to sue Monsanto like the landscaper did a couple of years ago. He passed away and the family sued Monsanto and they won. Well, the, the initial condolences are not the time to talk about, let's lawyer up. Let's go, get, you know, it's like, hold on, <laughs> just wait on that one. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is really, um, you have to be careful about sharing any religious beliefs. Um, unless you and the other person are of the same um, spiritual background, uh, you got to be careful about that because it could be seen as forcing your views on somebody and it's not necessarily what they believe. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. You can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. Thank you for joining us today while we talk with Nancy Marmolejo about grief in social media. And please stay with us. That is interesting. Be careful of not just to share your own religions or thoughts or images upon others yeah yeah because some people that actually makes them feel worse because they're thinking wow you can't even take a moment to express it in a way that goes with how i feel about things we've got to do it your way now and and that that happens sometimes that happens in families you know where one person might have a certain belief and, and they they send the little card to somebody and They real, they know, but they're going to do it anyhow. For example, in Venezuela, everybody, even if you don't believe, they get invited to the the novenas, for example, nine days of prayer. But even people who are not religious, that's just, you know, a thing to do anyway. 
or a different yeah. religion because I don't know people just expect that invitation somebody right. in the family that might be religious might put it together and then you know it's at least it's like a, everybody get together with the person who is in grief talk about it but still it's a it's a religious thing and a lot of people are not following that religion or they are just just doing it for social I don't know well at least supporting the person in grief there are so many different ways like for example we well it's a tropical country uh, the the funeral is normally the next day after the death maybe two days later it's not, but here you always have a week or more to you know people gather their thoughts go through many stages of grief and then go and have the funeral and have some different closure but yeah it is also very different how in Mexico death is treated this is a different way of celebrating life and remembrance and and facing a fact of well life and death of course yes yes and my my family is mexican and dia de los muertos means so much and so for me growing up it wasn't taboo to talk about death and they dragged all us kids to every funeral and there was always a funeral so i was very familiar with the concept um and i i know that there were people that you know weren't Mexican or didn't celebrate Day of the Dead. That really, um, they kind of looked in a puzzled way. Like you're going to the cemetery, you know? That yeah. was this question. <laughs> I think one of the things as you were talking about Venezuela and the traditions there, and in Mexico and the traditions there and here is that you know if we live in a very multicultural um, society mm-hmm. and we interact with people on an international level and so we're learning different things about how people experience you know whether it's the ceremony what do we do when someone passes but I think you know my, my, my flag that I'm sticking in the ground is all of those things are wonderful let's start with empathy we can yes. that that goes across every culture that goes across every language is is I my heart is here feeling you. I, I feel for you. I witness you. I support you. And and everything else might play out differently, whether there's a funeral or not. People have memorials on Zoom now because they can't get together. I mean, there's so many different things. But yeah. the one thing that we can all do that transcends everything, language, culture, at all, is to just, just hold our hearts, yes. you know? Let people know our heart is with them. Yes, and something that I learned also being more out in life and not not growing up, it wasn't that common, but I realized how important it is to understand different kind of grief. Because, as you say, up somebody else's problem, you know, is is one thing that a lot of people do. Oh, come on, I lost more than you, or I lost my whole company. But maybe you are not grieving, grieving in, sorry, you are not suffering in the same way that the other person is. Somehow her business was, I don't know, she's facing it in a different way and she needs more empathy, even though you probably lost more money, but you move on and now you are all over it. I mean, people grieve for different things and is we need to respect that and that is very hard for them no it's not always why well it didn't hurt me that much when it happened to me well but it's hurting this person doesn't matter how you felt a few years ago or that you think it's not important or or 
that's also uh, a big issue that you know not many people see it's true it's true i love that you just mentioned that mm -hmm. because uh, i think what happens i mean i'm not a i'm not a therapist i'm not a psychologist but i think that there people have a lot of unresolved issues they're still walking around with mm -hmm. and if you had a loss and that loss never really got taken care of you never really processed it and then somebody else goes through a loss and you respond in kind of a petty way or you know you you dismiss it or minimize it it comes across as very insensitive and if anybody goes in that direction and feels starts feeling you know starts demonstrating that they're being insensitive i think it's a good opportunity to look within what what are some things that are not being handled right here is there some kind of a resentment mm -hmm. is there some feeling like you didn't get the attention that you needed when something bad happened to you and now you're resentful because this person's getting all these condolences and it's mm -hmm. all on facebook and look at 100 people are telling them <laughs> and nobody said anything to me i mean it could bring yeah. up a lot and so that i tell people like you got to be careful if it's that's more about you, yeah. the person. <laughs> it's yes. not about them. Yes, and you see, you, you, I don't know, you see it a lot. Like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know, losing something. Maybe not a, a family member, but losing something. And some people grieve it very strongly. Some people just like, what are you talking about? That's nothing. Or a bankruptcy or whatever. Or Yeah, I different. had a miscarriage 20 years ago. Oh, man. And I just remember oh. people, um, that's a really hard one. Because, you know, the first thing that people will say is, you can always try again. There must have been something wrong with the baby, so that's why that's why that happened. And it's like, I don't want to know the scientific, biological, like what can happen in the future and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, I hurt right now, you know? Mm. And so that's something that we have to remember rather than dismissing it and brushing it aside. Let's just... Let's just acknowledge that must hurt mm -hmm. i see that you're sad yeah that's a form of empathy and that's all you gotta yeah, yeah. or, or uh, when i mean this is a different one for everybody when i heard people you know when they get divorced some people are super happy some people are grieving and in a way i think well is is you know everybody got married with illusion and think because they thought this is my life how it's going to be and that idea at least is dead this is a grief it's dead so some people have to handle it in different ways somebody tells you that they're suffering almost as a family mem member that that's because that's what it is for them other people is happy and dancing well that's what it is for them we, we shouldn't dismiss other people grief because the, it, it varies so much Yes, this is true. And I think this is really important to learn because it trains us to really look at every situation with more empathy. So with my coaching clients, I work with executives, I work with, you know, founders and CEOs and leaders. And there are many times where there's a situation and they're not really sure what to say. Like, it, whether it's around, I mean, it doesn't have to be around grief, it could be around, you know, feedback or, you know, they have to talk to somebody about something or there's some situation. And I think what happens is that we rarely just take a moment to take a breath and think, what is the right thing to say in this situation? Or mm -hmm. can I ask somebody else, what do you think if I were to say this? And mm -hmm. so I love that I get the opportunity to help shape people's communication 
whether it's around this topic of grief, which is like I said, it's not my, that's not my profession. I'm not a grief counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a person who works with people and notices when they need help to say something. And that one came out. But those are, those are just a couple of examples of how this type of, you know, just we want to say the right thing, but it, when we're pressured and in a rush, we don't always do it. So, yeah. so uh, you have your book on uh, Amazon? I do. I do. It's called Don't Say That, Say This. And you can also put my name into Amazon search, Nancy Marmolejo, and, and the book should come up. And there's, uh, you know, we have the 10 things not to do, which I went over. And then there are these little templates, which completely takes me back to my days of being a teacher, because I found <laughs> that a lot of people don't like to write. But if you give them a little bit of a frame and let them fill in the blanks, they're like, oh, I can do oh, that. So, yeah, sure. So go I, for it. Yeah. Um, I have like four, four different things you can do. One is just some ideas of a, I call it the heartfelt one-liner, just say this little one-liner, you know, instead of I'm so sorry for your loss, you could say my heart goes out to you during this difficult time, or, you know, it's not easy what you're faced with, but we love you and we're always here for you. That's really easy. Yeah. You know, really and if you want to add a little bit more, like sharing a memory, like I'll never forget when we used to go to so-and-so's house and she always used to do this and that was always fun. And, You know, or you can offer help, like you were talking about earlier, like, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Um, you know, you, can, you don't have to say it publicly on like a Facebook post, but you could private message people and say, listen, give me your email address. I got a little something for you. And you send them a gift card or you have their groceries delivered. Uh, and then some people like to do something in honor, like you were talking about the, the novena. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if that's the case, say it's like, oh, we're saying a novena in, in her name, in her honor. Or, you know, we're giving to this charity in this person's memory, or we're all going to get together and, um, you know, clean up trash from the beach because we knew that she loved the, that beach and that was something she would have done. Mm -hmm. So there's like, like a way to honor somebody through some sort of an action. They're, they're just, you know, and, and those things can all be communicated in a message. Yeah. And then other people see you responding that way, and they're right about to type out lo siento or I'm sorry for your loss, and they say, mm. oh, wait a minute, I remember a story. And then they start to share a story, and now we've suddenly transformed the way we respond. At least that is my mission, is yes. for us to transform the way we respond to other people hurting when we yeah. see it on social media. Yes, I, I, I remember now, and this was in social media, but it was a few years ago. Uh, I think it was about eight, seven years ago. I was volunteer. I used to volunteer in the preschool uh, with one of my sons, and that was shocking. It still, you know, it, it still shocks me. And there was this other baby, uh, two years old, two years old, who uh, who died. And I just remember the day before being with him in the preschool, and then receiving the the email the next the next morning. That was really shocking. And you know, since then, since then, I've been really paranoid about parking lots because it was just a neighbor that was backing up in his SUV, and he didn't have enough. He didn't view every. I think he didn't have the camera. In I don't know, seven years ago, maybe it wasn't that common when he back up, and he was the the kid was just like three steps in front of his mom. They were just going with a around the neighborhood he was just three steps and you know this neighbor back up uh, out of his garage 
and uh, he had, you know, the all the protections, all the gear and helmet and everything. But, you know, in less than six hours, he was there. And it was very, very shocking for everybody in the school, all the, the community. It was hard. And then uh, the parents set up a website, a website, no, a Facebook site. Other than, well, we made a, a change of food. Everybody in the in the preschool went and gave them food, like, for two months. Of course, you couldn't do much. The mom was destroyed. And uh, it, then there was this memorial. And every once in a while, like, for the first couple of years, they will always put um, stories about the kid. Uh, in the in this Facebook page, everybody will, you know, say, oh, I remember this time. Or people will put their photos of the kid. And then even now, after eight, nine years, you get every anniversary. Like the parents put something in the website. But it's, you know, it was like a, a social media memorial for the kid that is still there. Yeah. Oh, that's such a tragic story. And that is such a beautiful way that people came together to respond and to support the family. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, and and you know, just even be able being able to share it on the anniversary, it just it it, it helps so much in the healing mm-hmm. and the grieving. It doesn't make the hurt go away, but it also you know we don't lose the memory of that little precious child who passed. So that is that's such a beautiful example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know it's, it's in a way you know social media may have complicated our life but you know it can also bring a little bit of extra nice things like that well, one of the things i say is that social media is our new village square it used yeah. to be if you wanted to find something out you go to the grocery store or you go you know talk to somebody at the laundromat or you run into somebody at church you know did you know so and so and did you know that this happened did you know that that so and so died or you have um you know, we used to call people and write letters or read it in the newspaper. We don't do those things as much anymore. Yes. And so love it or not, social media is our village square. That's where we find out things. You know, whenever there's any kind of a, a well-known person, a celebrity of some sort, somebody famous, what's the first thing that they say, if you're reading about it, they say, this is what, you know, this person put on Twitter. Everybody puts on Twitter their little one-liner memorials. I think those are some good places to learn. You know, if somebody well-known passes away, you have all of these celebrities. They don't say, lo siento. They don't say, oh, I'm just so sorry. They say, you know, the world has lost a bright light. Mm -hmm. Or I'll always remember, you know, this beautiful memory. And, and And it's just well-written and well-composed, and I think there can be more of that just with everyday folks. Yes, definitely. And that moves in other, in other, spread out in other places in our life, empathy in general. We need so much of that right now, Isa. We need so much of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and this year, like, that's another example, like, we're in this together, like, this has been a very difficult year, but I don't know. I mean, on the way that we all need to wear masks in that part, we're together, but everybody's grief is different right now. That's true. And there's different types of grief that we're experiencing right now that we might not have thought about before. And you mentioned a few minutes ago, the grief of losing a job, Mm -hmm. the grief of losing income, 
the grief of losing a home. I mean, there's there. I was just reading an article in the paper that shoplifting at grocery stores is has gone up so much because people don't have enough money to buy food. I mean, there's so many. That's a form of grief. If you used to be self-supporting and self-sufficient and you don't have that, it's basically something that was part of your life that has been removed and you have strong feelings of sadness around it death, loss, you know, that's, um, there's all sorts of different scenarios that I, I share when I do this as a presentation. I've been working with some college classes, a lot of nursing students and, and people who are studying the different stages of life. So I give them these different scenarios and I said, okay, you get together with the partner and write, write your condolence message and bring it back to the group. And I give them things like, you know, the death of somebody over the age of 70, the death of somebody under the age of 30, the loss of a beloved pet, the loss of someone to COVID, the loss of um, a home from wildfire or disaster. Uh, and they all come, you know, death, um, death by suicide. I mean, they're different. I give them all these different scenarios. And the first thing they have to do is sort of put work. They have to process it a little bit. What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? What can we draw from? And what they would come back and share was just absolutely beautiful. Brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> so <laughs> it just made me so happy to know that mm -hmm. it's it's a really easy process to teach. And once you train yourself to just stop, drop into a place of empathy, just even if it's just taking a deep breath and saying, okay, I'm not going to be automatic about this. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to take a moment. And you do that. And you have just helped that person who's receiving your message so much. It's so healing. It's so beautiful. And even if you're having a great day and you just want to look at cat videos and social media is fun and, and lighthearted for you and you come across a heavy message, you can still just take a moment, take a breath, say something heartfelt, say something from the corazón and just move forward from there. And that makes it just that that is what really is changing it will change the tone of how we interact with each other that's what i believe i'm very optimistic yes yes it does thank you for that well and uh, um, if you want to tell if uh, anyone is interested in in uh, looking for a more words of wisdom from you or or follow you where can they do that my main website is talentandgenius.com that's my that's my business. It's where I have my coaching and consulting. The book is called Don't Say That, Say This, Navigating Grief and Loss in the World of Social Media. And it's available on Amazon. It comes in a Kindle version, which is 99 cents. I think people can handle that. I don't I told I tell everybody this is not my retirement plan. This is like I'm I'm putting it's more like karma. I'm just doing something good for the world. Uh, you can also buy it as a paperback. I've priced it really low. Um, if people want to use it in a class or you want to share it with a friend or create a book group around it or use it in your church, have at it. You can contact me. I can give you some ideas or you could just follow along in the book. But I think it's a really good, it can be used as curriculum for any kind of a, a group or individual's and it's just nice to have. I have a lot of people who send me messages saying that ever since they got it, it's really changed how they respond to people. They didn't realize how automatic they had been in the way that they responded. And they're actually taking that deep breath, 
finding that space of empathy and then responding from the heart. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being here in Latin Americana, even if it's a being uh, virtually. <laughs> We're not at the studio, but still, uh, you can feel the love <laughs> in the internet. <laughs> There's so much love. Thank you so yeah. much, Isa, for what you're doing. And thank you so much for just allowing me to come and talk about this. And I hope that whoever hears this, hears what they needed to hear and can make the, just, just go from the heart. Just yes. go from the heart and see yes. where that takes them. I think it'll take them somewhere good, though. Sure. Thank you for that. <laughs> and this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.